here and your kindness, I almost feel like I'm not supposed to be here. I don't mean that in a bad way. It just I'm just passing through. And you all have been so kind to include us, and it has really been a special blessing. It has been a breath of fresh air for us. It's been refreshing to our own hearts, just your welcoming and your kindness to us. I recently I, uh, I had a preacher friend, and he has a preacher friend who was traveling through Georgia. And uh, he was asked to preach at a certain church, and uh, he was running late because of the traffic, and he pulled in to the church parking lot, jumped out of his car, he ran inside. And uh, they had already, I mean, they were almost done with the song service, and it was an African-American church, and he thought, well, I, I didn't realize it was an African-American church, which, and they were preaching the gospel, and uh, he slipped in the back, and he got up to the platform quick as he could, and he leaned over to the pastor, he said, I'm so sorry, pastor, I'm so sorry, I'm late, but it's okay, I'm ready to preach, and the pastor just looked at him, he said, okay. Well, they finished singing, everybody sat down, and the preacher got up, and he preached. He said the power of God fell. We saw several saved, and we saw several decisions. The altars were full, and we just praised the Lord. He sat back down after he preached, and the pastor said, Thank you for preaching. Now, I didn't catch your name. <laughs> and he said, so You scheduled me to preach. He said, I've never heard of you before. <laughs> he found out that the church he was scheduled to preach at was around the corner, and he had come into the wrong building. And I thought, well, that was interesting. I've never done that, and I hope I never do. <laughs> oh, my. Revelation chapter number 20 tonight, and I'm going to ask you if you're physically able, if you'd stand with me as you read out of respect for the reading of the Word of God. Revelation chapter number 20. And tonight we'll begin reading in verse number 11. And I saw a great white throne. And him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works." And death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of, the, out of heaven, prepared as the bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they sh shall be his people. And God himself shall be with them and be their God, and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. And there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. Tonight I'd like to preach you on this subject. Prepare to meet God. My Father, I thank you tonight for the opportunity we have to open the living Word of God. Now, Lord, these dear people, my new friends, they, they did not come to hear me tonight. And honestly, I have nothing to offer them that will not waste their time except you. But you say you're enough. 
And so I'm claiming the promise of the Word of God that your Word will do its work. Holy Spirit, I cannot convict and I cannot convince, but you can. And so I'm asking you to do your job. And tonight, may you hide me behind the cross of my Jesus. May these dear people leave this place not remembering me, but the God that I serve. And tonight I pray that you do such a stirring in our hearts. May we catch a glimpse of the throne of God tonight. May we catch a glimpse of eternity tonight. And I ask this the only way I know how. Through the precious name and the blood of my Jesus. Amen. Thank you. you may be seated. It's interesting when you think about heaven. I'm looking forward to heaven as I know many of you are. I think about the people that have already gone there before. I think about the saints from the, from the Bible. I, I think about those that God used in a special way that are already in heaven. I, I, I think about family members and, and loved ones that we sat with in church and, and are already there. And, and maybe our hearts grieve, but we don't sorrow as those that have no hope. We'll see them again. And I look forward to that. I look forward to heaven and I look forward to the street of gold the tree that's in the middle of the heaven, the city four square, the river that runs through it, the throne of God, the mansions, the rubies. I look forward to not having to turn on the electric electricity and there's light all the time. I look forward to seeing Jesus. But sometimes I think we get sidetracked about heaven and maybe we forget everything that we will see in heaven. I think sometimes when I think about heaven, I go back to my children's church teacher, Mr. Manspile. He was an old Indian, and he would tell us about heaven, and he would describe heaven. And I remember Mr. Manspile, one, one Sunday, he told us about heaven, and he was explaining that if we needed it in heaven to make us happy, it would be there. Now, as an adult, I understand what he was saying. But he made this comment. He said, if we need chocolate in heaven to make us happy, it'll be there. Well, as a kid, you think about chocolate in heaven and your, your mind starts to wander. He told us that maybe there was a lake in cho of chocolate in heaven. And if there was a lake in cho of chocolate in heaven, he would dive into it. You know, that really messes with a little kid. You think about chocolate in heaven. But here, here was his point. His point was not there's going to be chocolate in heaven. His point was, if you need it to make you happy, it'll be there. And you won't need chocolate in heaven to be happy. That was his point. But he didn't explain it very well. <laughs> I've seen flannel graph. I don't even know if teachers use flannel graph anymore. But when I was a kid and they used flannel graph, it always confused me. Because one Sunday, the flannel graph character was David. And the next Sunday, the exact same flannel graph character they called Moses. <laughs> That's confusing to a kid. But I remember the flannel graph pictures of heaven. And I remember how they would say things like, oh, in heaven, there's going to be no sickness. In heaven, there's going to be no darkness. In heaven, there's going to be no more death. And then just like you, I have heard since I was a kid, in heaven, 
there will be no crying. Have you heard that? There will be no tears in heaven. Well, it's interesting. Our Bible can often change our theology. Because it doesn't seem like to me that tears are wiped away until chapter 21. In the verses we read in chapter 21, in verse number 4, it says this, And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. In other words, something has just taken place to break the hearts of God's people. And now the Lord Jesus must come back to His people that are in heaven to wipe away their tears. So there will be tears in heaven. Why? Because of what God's people have just seen. You see, in heaven, there will be two occasions to stand before the judge. For God's people, those who have trusted Jesus, one time, one decision, and one person for one place called heaven, they will stand before Jesus. He will be their king at the judgment seat of Christ. He will judge us according to our works. That is not dependent upon heaven. Our price has already been paid. Our sin has already been covered by the blood of Jesus. That is an unchanging truth. And I will stand before Jesus and he will be my king, not because of what I do, but because of what he did and finished on the cross. It's a done deal. It's finished. He said on the cross, it is finished. No more do I have to do to earn eternal life. That's not what it's about. It's my trust in the one who paid for my debt and gives eternal life. You know what's amazing about eternal life? If you've trusted Jesus Christ, you have eternal life now. I always had the idea that once you die, then eternal life starts, but that's not Bible. When I trusted in Jesus, just Jesus, as my forgiveness of sin because of what he paid for on the cross, now I have eternal life. Not because of me, but because of him. Amen. So when I stand before Jesus, he will not be my judge. He will be my king at the judgment seat of Christ. You say, well, it says judgment. Yes, but I am not declared guilty at the judgment seat of Christ. I am declared not guilty because of Jesus. I'm in heaven. I will be there because of what Jesus did for me and my trust in that. But there is another throne in heaven. The throne called the great white throne. We read about it in Revelation chapter 20. He says in verse number 11, And I, speaking of John, saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and the heavens fled away, heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And when you open up the word of God here, he begins to talk about the judge, God himself. This will not be God's people standing before God. This will be those who have never trusted Jesus for the forgiveness of their sins. This will be those people, whether they have ever heard or have not heard, 
This will be those people that have never depended on Jesus as their only way to heaven. You will find that God himself is the only one who's worthy to be the judge. You know, if I were the judge or if you were the judge, I'd probably be looking at the way people dressed. I'd probably be looking at the way people acted. And I'd probably say, well, you deserve to be here and you don't. Oh, you've been in church. You haven't. Okay, well, you can go to heaven and you can't, but that's not who the judge is. The judge in this passage is the holy holy God who has never sinned, the holy God who has never left his throne, the only one who is just, the only one who is righteous, and only he has the right as the judge. He's the one that's doing the judging, not me. It's interesting, a lot of times we put ourselves as the judge for others, or we put ourselves as a judge of ourselves. Maybe we should just let God take his place as the judge. And God himself is on this great white throne, and you find the judge, but you also find the judged. Notice what it will say in verse number 12. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Small and great? In other words, standing before God Almighty are the people who we know their names. Whether they be people that we thought deserve to be there or don't, you will meet at the great white throne people like Adolf Hitler. You will see people like Mussolini. You will see the Saddam Husseins. But you will also see the person that sat in the gutter in Ripley, Tennessee, who you may not know their name, but they will also stand before God. There will be small and great, not by size, not by economic status, but maybe by name, those who you know and those who you don't know. Every person that has never trusted in just Jesus for heaven will one day stand before God. You see, when you and I die, when the world dies, we don't just be put in the grave six feet under and that's where we stay. We are appointed unto man once to die, and after this, the judgment. We will stand before God, and you will either stand before him as your king at the judgment seat of Christ, or he will be your judge at the great white throne. And here at the great white throne, only God himself can be the judge because only God himself is holy, righteous, and worthy to judge. And when he sits here, you will find people that you know their name and those that you don't, they will all stand before God. I think it's interesting. Notice what he will say in verse number 13. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and... They were judged every man. That's an interesting description to me. The sea gave up the dead which were in it. I've thought about that a long time. You know, when the Titanic sank, there were over 2,223 lives on board. Of that, 1,517 lost their lives but only 333 bodies were pulled from the icy waters. About seven years ago, I had the privilege of meeting one of the divers 
who was one of the first divers when they found the Titanic. He went down, he brought back some of the items from the Titanic, and he looked at me and he said, Preacher, when we dove, when I was in that submarine and we looked at the Titanic for some of the first time, he said, you know what we didn't find? We didn't find any bodies. None. There were no bones. There was nothing. That would mean that of those 1,517 that lost their lives and only 333 were found, that would mean that 1,184 bodies were never recovered. One day they will stand before God. Adolf Eichmann, who was known as a scourge of Auschwitz, who was known as one of the right-hand men of Adolf Hitler, who was known as one who would come up with the Jewish solution. When Nazism was destroyed, he would escape and he would make his way to Argentina and would be hidden for years. Mossad would eventually catch up to him. They would take him hostage. They would bring him back to Israel to stand trial. He would be condemned for war crimes. They would hang him and then they would burn his body and they would sprinkle his ashes over the sea so that no man could ever make a monument to, na to Nazism. One day, Eichmann will stand before God. And I think that picture that God uses of those that are in the sea just explains that there's no one that can escape standing before God. Small and great, the sea gave up the dead. Notice what else it will say in verse number 13. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. I had to scratch my head because I thought, wait a minute. I thought the people in hell stayed in hell. Well, it seems like there is one opportunity. One, for those people to stand before God, they will be declared guilty because they didn't trust Jesus to pay for their sin. Now they must pay for their sin, and God declares to them, depart from me, I never knew you. Death stands before God. Hell stands before God. And you know, of those that stand before God, it's interesting when you read other passages of the Bible, that even those who would name the name of Christ, will stand before God at the great white throne. In other words, those that would say, have we not prophesied in thy name? They'll stand before God. I believe maybe there will be preachers, pew fillers, missionaries, evangelists that will say, but God, look at all that we have done. And God will say, but I don't know you. You trusted in what you did. You didn't trust in what I finished. And he said, and you'll stand before God. And even God himself will say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I realize tonight I'm not telling most of us anything we do not already know. But maybe it bears repeating. Maybe it's time for us to begin to get a picture of eternity. Because even Paul himself would say that Jesus is coming soon. And how many years ago was that? And how much closer is Jesus coming today than it was? 
And if so, then that means Jesus will soon return. And those who know him, he will catch out of this world. Then you have the tribulation and then you will have the, the turmoil that happens all across what is left in the world. And then, yes, you will have the great white throne. And there is no opportunity. There is no opportunity then to change your decision. I realize in the 90s there was a popular book series that was put out. They would often say, well, if you've trusted Jesus, then you'll stand before God. And if you haven't trusted Jesus, but you heard about him, don't worry. You'll have another opportunity after Jesus has returned, and then you can trust God. That is not what the Bible says. If you have heard of Jesus and forgiveness of sin, you will believe a lie. Now, I don't know what the lie will be, but I guarantee you, you will not say, well, Jesus must have come back. You see, we will all stand before God, every single one of us. He will either be our king when we stand before him as his children and he will judge us according to not our putting our faith in him because that's a done deal, but he will judge us for what we've done for him. In other words, rewards or lack thereof. But then you will find those who never trusted in just Jesus and they will stand before God and he will be their judge and as the only one who was righteous, the only one he was just, he has the right to look at man small and great, those from the sea, those from death, those from hell, and he can declare them guilty and to spend eternity apart from him. It seems as though that they are condemned to hell, and then hell in its entirety is cast into the lake of fire for all eternity. Friend, that does not sound like a positive outcome. That does not sound like something that should be taken lightly. And I dare say tonight that most of us, because we have a missions conference, we would say we care about souls. Most of us would say, well, we're having a mission conference so that we could be more burdened for people around the world. Yes, friend. But being burdened about people around the world and forgetting about the people next door, we have failed. You see, when God's people catch a glimpse of eternity, it will change the way they live. It will change what they speak of. It will change how they give to missions or how they surrender to missions. It will change how we invite people to trust Christ. It will change our entire perspective. Because all of a sudden, we've begun to live in light of eternity. You see, at the great white throne, it doesn't just happen and Christians are enjoying heaven. It seems as though from chapter 21, God's children are watching. I do not know how all this plays out. But it seems as though God's children see all of this take place. 
It seems as though God's people, that they see God being the righteous judge. They see those that are judged and they see the judgment take place. They see God condemn those, not because he is mean. Don't ever get that idea. Have you heard that? I've heard that so often recently. Well, God's just a mean God. Wait a minute. God didn't make hell for you. He made hell for the devil and his angels. And God doesn't send people to hell. When man rejects God, he seals his own fate. God does not select some people for heaven and others for hell. That's not Bible. My Jesus died for the world. And he invites whosoever will come. You say, well, my sin, there is no sin too big that God cannot forgive. Amen. You say, well, you don't know what I've done. Maybe I don't, but he does. And he died for it. And you say, well, you know what? I live a pretty good life. Living a good not life is not enough for eternity. And even those who name the name of Jesus and who say, oh, we love him and look at all we've done. If they've not trusted in just Jesus, then they are doomed as well. And here in this passage, yes, you find the judge, you find the judged, and their judgment is real. And we as God's people, we will stand by and watch. In chapter 21, yes, the old heaven, or excuse me, the old earth has passed away and God creates anew. Yes, God's people are now invited to rule and reign with him. Yes, heaven will be a wonderful place. But in chapter 21, something has to take place. Before we can move forward, God has to wipe away our tears. You say, why? I think because we will see people that we know that are condemned for eternity. I believe we will see people that we had an opportunity to give the gospel to that we didn't. And they're condemned for all eternity. I, I believe there will be people that we had opportunities that we didn't take. And they're condemned for all eternity. What about the people we passed in Walmart wearing their pajamas? They'll stand before God. What about our neighbor? What about our friends, our acquaintances, our co-workers? I learned an interesting truth a few weeks ago. I was preaching in Houston. My daughter and I went to what my youngest calls Chick-fil-A. My daughter went into the play place to play and she ran back out and asked for a smiley face tract. I don't know if you've seen those. Because there was a little girl who didn't know about Jesus. She ran back in. And she tried to tell her about Jesus. And a few minutes later she came out. And I could tell something was wrong. And as we walked to the truck, my five-year-old broke down. And she began to weep uncontrollably. And she said this. I tried to tell her about Jesus. 
She wouldn't listen. And I'll never see her again. And when I began to ask what she meant by she never seen her again, I thought she meant, now we go to another state, another church. We won't be in the same Chick-fil-A again. That's not what she meant. She said, I'll never see her in heaven. And I thought to myself, what happened to my calloused heart? When my five-year-old is broken over the souls of men who will never reach heaven. And I act as though I did my duty. And when I live in light of eternity, it changes my perspective of the great white throne of heaven and of my responsibility. They will never know if we do not tell them. You say, this is a missions conference. If we catch our responsibility of eternity, it'll change how we view missions. It'll change how we give. It'll change how many people show up to tell others about Jesus. It'll change everything. You see, really, it's not about, will you commit to give this year to missions? It's not about that. It's really not about, let's support another missionary. It's not about that. It's not about, how many can we send from here? No, 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 it's not about that. It's all about us living in light of eternity. About us catching God's burden for souls. About us understanding that one day time is over, eternity is long, and they are doomed to suffer forever. And we could have told them. If we catch a glimpse of eternity... It'll change our perspective on everything. The old preacher said, the path of man is too dark and the cross of Christ is too glorious for me to quit now. Men are dying. What if no one had told you? When we stand before God, we will be judged when they stand before God, those who have never trusted Jesus, they will be doomed. You see, they're judged from three books, the Bible says here. One of them is the Bible you read about in Romans. One of them is the book of man's sin you read about in Malachi. And one of them is the book of life. Is your name there? If their name is not there or if your name is not there, you're doomed forever. Tonight, maybe we need to live in light of eternity. I would much rather be broken over souls now and see souls come to Christ rather than stand in heaven and see them condemned. And God has to come wipe away my tears for the souls of men that I see condemned for eternity when I did nothing. Can I say this? It's not the pastor's job to win souls. You don't find that in Scripture. It's not the deacon's job to win souls. You don't find that in Scripture. 
It's not these individuals that are going and telling other people about Jesus in other countries. It's not their responsibility to win souls. You say, whose responsibility is it? The responsibility of every Christian. It doesn't matter whether you went to Bible college. Bible college has messed more people up than helped them. It doesn't matter if you have a lot of money. It doesn't matter if you are eloquent. What matters is, do you see the seriousness of eternity? Tonight, how about you? Will you live in light of eternity? What about the souls around you that you know are dying? How many tears will God have to wipe from your eyes? Friends, we have work to do. It's getting late. It's getting serious. But we have work to do now. Heads bowed and eyes closed tonight. May I ask you this? In all kindness, I wonder how many would say, you know what, Brother Glenn? If I were to die tonight or five years from now, no matter how I die, I do not know for sure I would wake up in heaven. But I'd like to know. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I won't embarrass you. I'm just going to pray for you. Brother Glenn, I don't know when I die I would spend forever in heaven, but I'd like to know, would you pray for me? Tonight, are there any? Let me ask you this. I wonder how many tonight would say, you know, Brother Glenn, God spoke to my heart. Tonight, I need to start living in light of eternity. Tonight, I may be prepared to meet God for me, but if I can take nothing with me except souls, I have work to do. And I wonder how many of God's people would say, God spoke to me. Tonight, if that's you, would you slip your hand up in recognition of your heart? Yes, yes, many hands, yes. Hands all over the building, you can put them down. A hand is good. A heart is better. But a heart without a decision to obey is an error. Tonight, I've preached, and I've never preached like this before, this message before, but I believe God is working. And tonight, may I invite you to do business with God. Maybe it's time to live in light of eternity. Maybe it's time to beg God for a soul. Maybe it's time to just choose to be obedient when God puts you near a soul. But tonight, if you raised your hand, would you take your hands off your heart and would you let God have his way and would you be obedient to his command? I'm going to pray and after I pray, we'll all stand. The pianist will play. When we do, would you respond to the Lord? Maybe you need to slip out and come to the step and pray. Maybe you need to sit in your seat. But oh, if God spoke to you, don't, don't. Stop listening to him. My Father, I've done what you've asked me to do. I pray tonight that you'd help us to live in light of eternity. I pray, Lord.
that you would help us to catch a glimpse of the great white throne? Would you help us to catch a glimpse of the lake of fire in hell? Would you help us to catch a glimpse of the souls of men? And I pray, Lord, tonight, would you help us to get serious about the command to go and tell? Would you help us to be serious about our responsibility as a church? And tonight, would you help us to simply respond to your command? May we not just get emotion but may we be obedient. In Jesus' precious name, would you stand with me as the pianist plays? If God has spoken to your heart, would you speak to the Lord? Would you choose obedience, living in light of eternity? The youngest can tell others what Jesus has done for them. What about us? Maybe tonight you don't even know for sure when you die you'd wake up in heaven. Would you trust Jesus? He's the only way. He's already done all that's required for heaven. He just says, trust me. That's it. If you don't know you're going to heaven but you'd like to know, if you just would slip out of your seat and come to the front and just say, hey, I don't know I'm going to heaven. I'd like to know. We won't embarrass you. We won't call your name. We'll just put you with someone who can show you from the Bible what Jesus says. That's it. Tonight can be your night where you're sure of heaven.